more importantly, congratulations to us. I mean, this <laughs> this can be our official one year anniversary since we're not quite sure. <laughs> We'd have to go check the date stamps, I guess, on the original files. But Ooh, I surely would have it in my calendar because I have always been a calendaring person. <laughs> So, I have completed six weeks of meal tracking, something that I would never say that I'd be able to do. And for the last, uh, I think for the last four, I have been tracking on the weekends as well, so every day. And it is a good feeling. It has been brutal, but it is a good feeling. Yeah, yeah. So what's been brutal about it? Um, well, honestly, it's not really brutal right now. Like, I think the hard part was the beginning. Now I've really settled into the routine. But yeah, just, I mean, some of it is like doing the logging and some of it is having the logging hanging over your head. Mm-hmm. Anytime you eat something, you're like, oh no, like I will have to write this down <laughs> and figure out how many calories it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, yeah, that's really the tough part, I think. Yeah. So has my fitness pal learned your dietary patterns yet? When you go uh, to log. How so? so when you go to log for a particular meal, say lunch, uh-huh. it often will like auto-populate recommendations. I don't know if it's based mm. on recency or if it's based on yeah. what it thinks it, you're going to do, but... It does seem to be recency, yeah. That is helpful. It just the, it seems like it's just the... Well, yeah, actually, I don't know exactly. Maybe it is by meal. But yeah, that's pretty good. But also, I just know... You know, there's only like one kind of bread that I ever yep. eat. So I just type bread and, and it comes catches up that and, immediately. Yeah. Then the other thing it'll do too is if you pick bread, if you scroll down to the bottom of the nutritional information on that screen, there will be other associated food that yeah. is often linked to bread. That is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've even tried making meals. Because you can like store a collection of food that you often eat as a meal. Mm-hmm. And that is very handy for me because I will have like a salad with walnuts and olive oil and goat cheese sometimes. And it's like the, I eat that very regularly. So having it stored makes it a lot faster. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So I've joined you. I've jumped back onto the meal tracking um, yeah. train. Yeah. And I've been doing it for three weeks on the weekends as well. I haven't been perfect. I haven't been perfect, but overall it's going well. Um, yeah. I think my experience, having done it before, has helped me a lot. One thing is I, I went back to my fitness pal, tried and true, and it remembers a lot about me. Now, my diet has changed a little bit, but there are some things that remain consistent. So, uh, for example, when I select Greek yogurt, it knows the exact type of granola I like to pair with it. Mm, yeah, so that's it, nice. Yeah, it's made it helpful to sort of be able to jump back in quickly. And one thing I've done that's different this time around is I've paired it. I've paired my meal tracking with another application that we recently discussed, which is Strides. Mm -hmm. So uh, as a recap, Strides will track your habits for you. So it'll remind you as many times throughout the day as you ask it to. To say, hey, have you tracked your meals? Did you go, did you exercise today? So on. And it can track so many things. But um, I said, you know, let me put into strides a couple of reminders throughout the day to ping me and say, hey, did you track your food today? Mm. And then uh, uh, create a running streak of how many consecutive days have I tracked? Ah, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So that's helped me. It's sort of put another 
incentive incentive mechanic into my meal tracking. Um, what has happened though is there have been days where I didn't actually track that day, so I wasn't able to check in on strides. But I mm. will go back and actually complete the day. Uh, oh, so that I my, think you can go back in strides as well. You can, but I I'm like trying to remain. I'm saying yeah. you know I didn't track on the day which is the goal so that's the goal you want to track i see Mm -hmm. Mm, because whenever you go back you're never quite as accurate yep so that's interesting that's a good way to use it i also pair strides with meal tracking a little bit but i only have one goal and it is calorie deficit Mm -hmm. um and it is a little bit freeing because on the weekends i think of it as like i don't need to run a calorie deficit on the weekends like obviously i haven't been perfect on weekdays but i usually do and then the weekends it's like okay you know i it would be nice i guess but i don't feel the need to be as strict about it on the weekend so then i don't care about that goal right so you're tracking calorie deficit monday through friday Mm, exactly Mm -hmm. and and strides won't ask you to record anything over the weekend yeah it doesn't even show up so Mm -hmm. i can have like a well, I don't know how much you use strides, but strides gives you like a perfect day if you accomplish all your stuff. And I have a lot of stuff in there. Like I only have a perfect day every few weeks, but um, yeah, I don't even have it on the weekend. So it's not like a thing that I missed. Right, right. No, I got what you're saying. Yeah, when I first started with strides, I initially populated it with, I don't know, half a dozen or more goals, daily yeah. goals. And I quickly realized that's way too many for me. It is a lot. Because yeah. I never get those perfect days. And then it also sort of pollutes my goal tracking where, you know, if all of these things are a priority, it feels like none of them are a priority. So I sort of went through and was like, okay, mm. I do care about all of these things, but really what is the tier one most important goals that I need to be tracking, habits I need to be tracking? So I narrowed so, it down hmm. to exercise, uh, exercise and meal tracking. Interesting. So you just literally just have two? I don't I think I maybe have one other one. Wow. That, okay, so but, I have a lot. Yeah, so I have I have ten. Okay. Eleven. I have three. There's wow. closed fitness ring. So I started out with, I don't know, six or eight, and then I pared down the list after using it for a week. I was like, this isn't really working for me. And also it was mm. blowing me up all the time. Um part of it was like my the way I had customized it. You know, you're always naive when you first start using an app. You're oh, like, the alerts are terrible. Yes. I turned off every alert in strides. I hate them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, like sometimes I need the alert though, because I'm like, I will mentally say, oh, I, I'm going to track my meal and then I forget because I get sucked into mm. work or something. So I need strides to ping me again at 7 p.m. and say, hey, did you actually log the meal that you said oh, you were going to log? okay. So there's benefit. But I'm so naive when I first start using an app where I like set up the infrastructure. So in strides, I like set up all my goals. And then I said, yeah, you know, Ping me for every one of these goals at 1 p.m. Two times a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it it's, is overwhelming, the right. defaults. Yeah. Yeah. Two times a day, you know, uh, 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. And like all these alerts are going off at the same time. Yeah. It's like, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you? <laughs> it is soul crushing. Yeah. No, I don't like that at all. I have one alert for the whole app at seven every evening. Mm. And it says, did you log this stuff? Gotcha. Or did you did you do your trackers? But I don't find really that I need to be reminded about the stuff. Like I know that I need to do them and I keep strides in my home screen and the badge is how many things I haven't done. And that bugs me. Like I want that number to be very low. It's like to-doist. Right, right. Now I got what yeah. you're saying. I actually turned the badge off because I don't want to see the badge. Mm. 
Oh, the badge drives me. That's very important. Mm-hmm. See, I'm not. The badge annoys me, but I don't think it drives me. So I always uh, often turn off badges. But the three I have, really? yeah. Do you not have a badge on Todoist? No. Oh, that's critical to me. Oh, Interesting. No. I I turn off my badges. I'm just not a badge. I can't do it. Huh. Okay. Interesting. So I can. Oh, sorry. You go. I was just going to say what my three goals are and that they are to close my fitness rings. So that's the Apple uh-huh. fitness rings. Go outside, which are, which is related to the fitness ring. <laughs> just imagine Greg checking his phone and then like opening the front door, taking one step out, <laughs> looking at the sun and walking back in and checking it off. <laughs> Another accomplishment. That has crossed my mind. I'm like, what do I really mean by go outside? Yeah, it's not very precise. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, you got to keep your goals vague so you can achieve them. <laughs> no, but when I say go outside, I mean like a sustained 15 minutes of outdoor activity off in a mm. walk. But just sit, saying, get outside. Don't spend the whole day inside yeah. the house. And then um, I have my food journaling. So recording my food. So those are that's how I'm using strides. It's been a bit of a roller coaster. Started off super strong and was like, had everything and then yeah. quickly was like that was a bad idea let me revert that definitely too much is worse than too little and i am i am verging on too much but the way i've built up strides has been i started with a couple things i think originally i started with um do push-ups do crunches do pull-ups and burn a thousand calories on the apple watch and then I just expanded it as more things came in. So, like, I never drank water. It is just, I know everybody in my life always drank water all the time, and I was so puzzled by it. I I have come to like water, but I used to really hate water. And I was probably so incredibly dehydrated at all times. So then I started adding, like, drink three glasses of water. And then I added, eat some protein, because especially now that I'm home all the time, I don't eat meat very much. And then I added, don't drink alcohol, um, don't eat after 8.30, uh, eat vegetables. And then also I said, I have burn a thousand calories, but I added burn 850 calories because I like that if I'm not going to make it to a thousand, there's still another goal that I care about. Mm -hmm. Like I'd like to knock off both of those goals, but I don't want to have days where I burn 400. It's like, no, get to 850 at least, even if you can't get all the way to your like higher up goal. So yeah, I have all those along with, uh, calorie deficit on the weekdays. And it is a bit much, I must say, but it's, I don't know. A lot of these just kind of happen naturally just by building habits. That's right. why I like just drinking water throughout the day. And a lot of them are complementary, right? Like burning the calories mm-hmm. is related to your exercising. Yeah. Honestly, all of them, I have a pretty decent success rate, except crunches. I never do crunches. I just really <laughs> hate them. I do the pushups and pull-ups, but I, crunches, I'm always like, oh no, not the crunches. Yeah. Cr- crunches are really any core centric workout is, it's really tough. I get that. Yeah. One thing that I, was it didn't know but i'm shocked to hear is that you didn't drink water you're one of the most active people i know so the fact that you were not well, consuming know, was, water is this very <laughs> hydrated by all the coffee i had no no you weren't <laughs> yeah yeah i never i don't know i just didn't develop that habit growing up and i i still must say it is not like a thing i like to do but i've just forced myself into the habit but i think until maybe a year and a half ago Maybe I would consume almost no water during oh the day. I would just have beverages with meals and that's it. That's, I, I'm speechless. That's <laughs> crazy. Because I, I drink somewhere between 
80 to 100 ounces a day, and I've done mm. that for a few years. Wow. Drinking water has been is something that I'm I'm pretty good at. Yeah, <laughs> <weird> wow, well, <laughs> big skill. Yeah, uh, no, I'm kidding, but it is funny to say that, right? But no, it's something that I don't know. I just made a natural habit of. I've never really thought about it. But if I don't drink yeah. water, I'll notice. If I get halfway through the day and I've only had a bottle, which would be like yeah. 30 ounces, I'm like feeling like crap. So it's funny you say that because I, this is a real tangent, but I didn't drink any water and was well aware of this fact. You know, everybody around me was like, it's important to have 37 12 ounce glasses of water every hour. It's just vital to your life. And I was like, I don't know, guys, like it seems fine. And then I, I thought, okay, health benefits seem somewhat clear. Like everybody agrees, at least it's consensus. I'm going to start drinking water. And I must say. I have seen no improvements in any way. I don't like it, and it doesn't have seem to have made any difference. It hasn't affected my athletic performance. If anything, I mean, I'm just getting older, but in some ways I've gotten worse at athletics. I never really felt dehydrated before. I used to drink, I literally used to drink like three cups of coffee during the morning and then go for a run at lunch and have had no water at all in the morning, and I felt great. It's probably all the caffeine. And now I'm like, ah, <laughs> uh, you know, running. So... Yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I haven't seen the benefits, but who knows? Maybe there's something subtle that I'm missing. Yeah. Yeah, I can't really speak to the benefits. I just speak for myself that I feel a difference if I'm not drinking well, now water. now I notice if I don't have it, for sure. You now do. I've become addicted. I mean, water it truly is the most addictive drug. Yes. You really got to <laughs> discourage the young people from getting hooked. Yeah, then you need to be drinking coffee or other, I don't, I can't think of a word for it. Just like chemically <laughs> yeah. injected water, no water, yeah. sodas, energy drinks. Don't don't get hooked on the good stuff. <laughs> oh man, it's so funny you say energy drinks. I have, I have this good college friend who uh, went into medicine and is like overall a very healthy guy, definitely healthier than me in college. And I was catching up with him the other day, and he was like, "Dude, I have to show you." I drink, <laughs> I forget what it's called. I think it's called Bang. I, he's like, I drink this energy drink all the time now to stay awake during the hospital days. And he was like, it's 300 <laughs> milligrams of caffeine in every one of these small bottles. And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, it's so helpful. It's great. <laughs> I thought, wow, how things have changed. That's really funny, actually. That coming from a medical doctor, it's like, get hooked know, on this addicting. <laughs> I should introduce him to uh, caffeine pills. Those might blow his mind. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you really are the expert on these. Do you still take those? I do. I do. That's wild. I often cut them now, though. So the standard size, they come in various sizes, but the standard that I get is 200 milligrams, mm. which is pretty, that's pretty heavy. So um, I now often will break them down into break them in one half and then have one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I have noticed a couple times recently, I've had a hard time falling asleep, which I attribute to like late in the day caffeine. But I, I think what really has happened is not that I'm drinking more caffeine late in the day, but less in the mornings. And so my overall caffeine tolerance, I suspect, has gone down a little bit. And so when I have like iced tea in the evening, which I have pretty regularly, um, it affects me more than it used to, which is a bit of a problem. So I've been thinking a little bit more about drinking more caffeine, actually. <laughs> I need to get my tolerance back up. Yeah. <laughs> rather than like slowly declining it altogether i guess well yeah i could do that but the thing is the thing that meal tracking has taught me is like i consume a lot of junk calories that i don't care about very much and i think we discussed this last time 
But things like having milk with meals, I love milk, but I realized it's just a lot of calories I don't need, especially with every meal. Maybe with like one meal a day is fine. But it's, I mean, each time it's like adding a hundred some calories. And so what I've tried to do is replace that with water, which just really makes me sad. I hate having water with meals. But um, the better option is iced tea. So I just brew my own cheap Lipton iced tea and keep it in the fridge. And that's great. But of course, it is pretty caffeinated. It's still tea. It's not coffee, but it's enough that it matters. And so if I have it at 7 p.m., you know, mm. I think that if I don't have a high caffeine tolerance, I do notice it. Yeah. I think even if you do have a relatively high caffeine tolerance, late caffeine's going to affect you. I've noticed that myself. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I For a while, I was drinking enough coffee that I think it didn't matter. I was drinking like, you know, four cups a day easily. Mm. Yeah, I'm normally early, early morning, early afternoon caffeine uh, consumption and then nothing for the rest of the day. Yeah. And I still will feel it at night occasionally. Just depends. Interesting. I, yeah, I guess it's sometimes hard to tell why you can't fall asleep, which I have noticed too. It's yeah. like it's easy to attribute to caffeine, but I'm never really sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so moving on, that was that was a great follow-up. But I want to hear about your dabbling in some original P90X. So for the yeah. audience, I, I just want to throw out there that Ethan and I had once upon a time engaged in some original P90X together. So mm-hmm. it, it became a, 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 a bonding tool for us. <laughs> yeah, we used to go to the gym on Monday mornings, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, so the one we used to do was Cardio X. And interestingly, if you actually follow the P90X routine, Cardio X does not make it on the schedule a single time. It is not actually part of the P90X routine. It is only part of the P90X lean routine, which is a modified version that has you do more cardio and less uh, weights, basically. But yeah, over the last, I think, I think just over three weeks, I think maybe like 22 days, I have started doing the P90X workouts and trying to stick to the actual P90X schedule, which is a real adventure. Um, and this will actually segue into a topic later on my list of trying to ha- to have fewer other things that I'm thinking about a lot in my life in order to just like concentrate on one thing at a time. But I have basically spent a lot of my mental energy on being like, I'm going to do one of these workouts every day. And if I need a rest day, because the P90X doesn't give you rest days except once a week. And it's just unreasonable. Like you're so sore if you push yourself. Um, if I need a rest day, I need to go for a run or something. I don't want like total days off except when I really need them. And it's it's actually been really great. Uh, the schedule is the hardest weightlifting day, I think. Um, chest and back, which is just truly so... It's so many big muscles in your body. You're just so tired afterwards. And then plyometrics the next day. And then arms the next day. And then uh, yoga the next day, which actually I think is the hardest of all the workouts, which is weird. The yoga workout is really long and really hard. And then uh, weightlifting for legs. And then kenpo, which is this like karate-ish thing you do that requires a lot of moving around. And I usually do outdoors and I really look like a total fool just like punching around in the air. (laughs) But I yeah, like that. Through. I like that mental image. <laughs> it does look really dumb. I think we did Kenpo once, right? Yeah, we've done Kenpo a few times. Yeah. Mixing yeah. up from so the I've cardio like X. Been out at the park doing Kenpo. And I've been out of the park doing plyo as well, plyometrics and a lot of jumping around. And certainly you just have to give up on the idea of not looking foolish. But yeah, over 
over 22 days, I have done two weeks worth of the routine, which is 14 days worth. So I'm definitely behind, but it's getting easier. Where at the beginning, I was so sore sometimes afterwards. And it was like, it took so much energy to do the workouts that I just needed more breaks. And now I'm finding I need fewer. Interesting. I've never gone through the actual P90X program. I've, I've reviewed it before and I've done mm. various videos in it, but I've never said I'm going to follow this actual program. But from what I know, it does look really intense, like some significant workouts back to back to back. And then one other thing that uh, I'm, I'm curious about is how are you doing the large upper body and lower body workouts? Is there equipment required? Do you have that in your apartment? Are you going to mm. a gym of some sort? Well, that's why, yeah, that's why P90X is such a good fit right now because all it requires is dumbbells and an exercise mat, basically. Um, so for the upper body, you just do a ton of push-ups and pull-ups in a lot of cases. And then on the day you do arms, you do use dumbbells, but I find that less effective. I think I get a lot more out of the push-ups and pull-ups day, but like yesterday, I think to finish the workout in the end on chest and back, that's what I did. I think you do, uh, well, I mean, it depends if you can keep up with them, right? But for me, and I can, I come nowhere near keeping up with them. I still did like 130 some push-ups and like 50, 40, 50 pull-ups along with a handful of other things with dumbbells. And you do all that within 40 minutes. So it's just so many so many of those movements that by the end you're not doing them any reps so even though in general like body weight stuff might get you more lean than than strong it actually does get you a lot of strength because it's so many times you're just you know so exhausted by the end mm -hmm. and do you have a pull-up bar like mm -hmm. hung in the doorway exactly yeah i might actually get a nicer one but yeah between those between that and uh dumbbells it pretty much covers everything yeah the only one that doesn't work well and i think we've talked about this before is the challenge of doing jumping exercises in an apartment mm -hmm. it's very noisy so i bought actually like the kind of puzzle piece style flooring that's yep. in gyms i bought some of that but it wasn't a very nice version of that and it slides <laughs> around a lot so i might have to upgrade at some point but for now it's been passable well interesting interesting well i look forward to hearing more about this and your thoughts on the P90X program in general as you work through more of it? I mean, I think it's great. I'm not sure my thoughts are going to change. I don't think that I will make it through the whole program. Like, realistically, the tedium will be too great doing the same videos all the time. And that it is such thought. an outlay. Yeah. It is such an outlay of, of time and of mental energy because every workout is going to be at least an hour and sometimes longer. And you, I mean, this is sort of like the mantra of the program, but you have to bring it every time. It, it's hard to just like slide through one of the videos and yeah the, the intensity of some of them is just starting to be less true now that i'm in i'm getting acclimated but chest and back the first two times i actually finished and i felt nauseous which is not a thing that happens to me when i work out like very nauseous and i actually just sat down in a chair for 20 to 30 minutes like not an exaggeration actually 20 to 30 minutes to just be like okay you know i i need to just like sit here and come back to life mm -hmm. um and that kind of stuff i hope will get easier that's the real question like does the fact that i 
have done it for three weeks mean that next time it's going to be even less burden on me? Like the time remains the same, but mentally, is it easier to get through? Right. And that's what I'm hoping. And I also, I mean, I'm just kind of looking at this time of, of really diligent meal tracking and diligent exercising as building habits. I don't think I'll ever be this good, but it is better than I usually am. And so if, if it changes my habits incrementally, you know, this is the year of health and fitness for me. I've talked about this a bunch. If there's one thing that I can do to work on myself and improve my life in the long term while I'm stuck at home most of the time, it's like this exactly. Can't go to real gyms, but this is a great time to just like sink into my shell and work very hard on eating and exercising in the ways that I can do it. And I have a perfect program that I've always wanted to try. So P90X is going to fill that role. And I've started tracking how much weight I do and stuff, which is very encouraging. Like I yesterday I beat the previous chest and back day by a lot. And uh, it feels great to like look at a spreadsheet and see that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's really smart. A few thoughts come to mind. One is P90X is from a different era, a fitness program. I remember as being a kid seeing the infomercials come on and that was like the primary marketing mechanism (laughs) um, for P90X. But, and and back then, back then, uh, fitness programs would often get a bad rap of being gimmicky and Mm. and you would see short-term improvements that weren't going to be sustained. And I would say P90X is certainly the exception to that. It doesn't feel like a gimmick at all. It's like, I totally agree. Yeah. It's, it's, if you want to get in good shape, you're just going to have to work really, really hard. Yeah. And they're super (laughs) honest about it too, which I appreciate. They're like, this is not easy. Like you are going to have to work so hard and commit so much to this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I do feel that for sure. Yeah. And then the other thought that comes to it is it sounds as if, P90X is the type of program where you already need to be in shape before you even engage. I was going to mention this. Yes. I 100% agree with that. And I think, I don't know exactly who it's for because it, it targets people who are out of shape. And yep. like, there's many degrees out of shape is very subjective, but like, I would consider myself before starting as like fairly in shape, like decent, uh, definitely like above average in the population and i struggled really hard to get through the first week really hard and the discipline of forcing yourself through that is so great it's just very challenging i can't imagine how you would do it if you were in bad shape Mm -hmm. i think it would just defeat you you'd have to be the only person who could go from like bad shape to good shape in p90x is a an incredibly driven person who used to be doing something else and didn't care about fitness like my idea was like a very fat ceo of a company (laughs) you know it's like they used to put all their mental energy into this other thing and then they were like no all my time is going into personal fitness but they're like hyper driven and they can actually do that no so it is an odd offering in that way agreed agreed i know that the creator tony horton has made other fitness programs after mm. p90x um some of which are of lower intensity so i think maybe he got yeah. feedback and was like p90x is great but you already need to be in above average in above average shape you need to be mm-hmm. of a, above average fitness level to really get the uh the most benefit out of the program so like let's let's tone it down a bit and find something that works for average yeah. and below average people so yeah, I've thought about investigating those. I don't know. There is something really cool about doing the original P90X, mm-hmm. though, because I feel like it's a, just a bit iconic yes. in culture of workout videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. And it actually has aged pretty well. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it was made in 2000. Yeah. It's crazy how much has changed since then. Like, how, I mean, I, so I follow Tony Horton on Instagram, and uh, <laughs> it's just very funny because this guy looks so different. I mean, it's still crazy. He's 60 something and he's in unbelievable shape, but he's very obviously a lot older than the videos. And I see the videos every day now, and it's like there's some cognitive dissonance around how old is Tony Horton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that is a testament to P90X, though, his Instagram yeah. feed. If you want to be 60 and in seriously really great shape, yeah, P90X is the way. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> All right. We've spent enough time on P90X. So let's, uh, this item here, Greg gets Ring Fit Adventure. You want to tell us what that's about? Yeah, yeah. So uh, like you, I have had um, a shift in, in what I'm focusing on, and with that, I decided, hey, uh, I should be focusing more on my personal health. And what what would that actually look like? So I sort of took a step back and evaluated the space that I have available and what kind of workouts could be done here. And I came to the conclusion that the first thing was I needed to cancel my active gym membership because I wasn't using it and I'm not going to be using it, wouldn't be mm. using it. Uh, for the foreseeable future. I just didn't feel comfortable going there. I dabbled with it, both going with a mask, but I just felt uncomfortable and I just didn't think that this was going to work for me. So I eliminated my gym and decided, okay, I need to find some types of home workouts that I can do to improve my personal fitness. Oh, Greg, there's this exercise program for 20 years ago that I could share with <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, well, the problem with <laughs> with P90X for me, because I, I, that had crossed my mind, is I still cannot find adjustable dumbbells anywhere. Mm, so I've heard this, yeah. That is a, a big barrier. So it couldn't be, it needed to be body weight focused mm-hmm. because I'm not going to have any traditional weights available to me in my apartment. So I'm. this is one facet of the program that is in development basically and it is ring fit adventure and what ring fit adventure is is it's an exercising video game that nintendo switch made and what what it looks like is you take the joy cons from the nintendo switch so the detachable controllers and you put them into two pieces of equipment that come with the ring fit adventure game and the first piece is called the ring con and it's this piece of plastic it's a interesting type of plastic with some soft handles on the sides that you clip one of the joy cons into and when you do when you squeeze or pull the ring the joy con is able to sense how much pressure you're applying and rate mm. that and say call it basically a rep and the other piece is a leg strap. So you stick the other Joy-Con in a leg strap, you attach that to your leg, and then that measures how quickly are your legs moving, how high are they moving, are you really completing these exercises as you should be. And it's surprisingly really good at actually sensing really? your movement. That yeah. is surprising. <laughs> I know. I found it. I thought uh, this might be a gimmick, but it's actually really good. So what the game really looks like, there's two different modes. There's this adventure mode, which is like, the game and i put that in quotes because it's not mm-hmm. really a game and 
what you do is you sort of run along these predetermined tracks and to like get your character to move, you actually need to run in place. So the Mm. joy cons are are sensing you and you'll encounter these little enemies along the way. And to beat them, you have to perform exercises. So, (laughs) so it's very gimmicky, uh, sort of, and very, uh, you know, gamified, uh, exercise. So mm-hmm. you can do these different resistance workouts with the ring con. You can do like a, you know, core workouts by um, it's sensing whether or not you're you're performing the movements correctly. There's yoga exercises involved, um, and surprisingly, it's one. It's it's more fun than I would have thought. It really takes exercise. It takes exercise and causes you to uh, somewhat distract yourself. So you're not thinking as much on like the pain of each of the reps but Mm. you're focusing more on like what you're just seeing on the screen and it's like calling out to you and it's like five more reps and you're like oh i can do five more and it sort of has this feedback loop of encouraging you um and so that's the one game mode is the adventure mode and then there's a freestyle mode so you can go in and like see all the possible exercises that are available to you and like construct a workout of your own if you want Uh. to so what kind of reps are you doing? Reps of what? Because you said you don't have dumbbells. Right. So they, some of the rep, one of the reps, well, let me back up and say, some of the exercises involve the ring con and some of them don't. So the non-ring mm. con exercises are like, um, I'm not sure what you would call it, but like uh, leg crunches. So you would like sit on the floor, butt on the ground, legs extended. You need to draw your legs up to your chest and then bring them back, push them back out. Mm-hmm. So that's like measuring with the leg strap and saying, are you really completing these reps? Yeah. And then there are some yoga exercises that involve both. So it's like stand in this pose and move into the second pose. And like, we're going to use the leg strap and the, and the ring con together to understand if you're really performing this movement correctly. And then the, the last type of exercises are just uh, ring con exercises where you will have to hold the ring con out in front of you and then use your chest to press it in. And I thought that this was not going to provide me enough resistance. Was yeah, my that's what I would think too. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> just gonna smash them together and shatter. Yes, them. yes. And when you first boot up the game, it does a calibration, and it's like, let's see how strong you are. And <laughs> I, when I, do when you I even lift. Yeah. Do you lift? <laughs> Can you use? Are you ready for this? So what? What? What it looks like is they make you, one, put the ring con in front of you and squeeze it together. And what I found was I was able to achieve, like, 100% resistance. So I was basically able to squeeze the ring con in as much as I could. Mm -hmm. But holding it there for an extended period of time was not easy. Oh. And what the exercises have you do is, is, is just that. So it'll say, okay, you're going to do 20 reps of this, some of, like, a chest press. So it's like, put it out in front of you, squeeze it together, hold it, and then release. And then you do that for three-fourths of the reps. And then the last few reps, you go as fast as you can. So it's just like in and out, in and out, in and out. And hmm. this is not providing the same type of activation that I would get from a, a bench press. But it is working my chest in a unique way and fatiguing my muscles. Yeah. If I do... Which is what you really need. Right, yeah. right. So... Now, they aren't fatigued if I just do one set, but if I play the game for 30 minutes and use that exercise five, six times throughout Mm -hmm. that, um, I will certainly feel fatigued in my chest, which is good. Oh, that's good, yeah. 
And then another example of the exercise is that you do a shoulder type press. So you take the ring con and you put it above your head and then you need to do the same type of movement where you try to press the ring con in. But because oh. you're holding it above your head, you're using all your shoulder muscles. That's actually very smart. Yeah. Good design. Yeah. And that one is even more challenging. I will feel yeah. that. I feel that one a lot. My shoulders will really start to burn. Yeah. Um, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And How, can you do triceps at all? Yeah. Well, I will have to preface it by saying, I think so. <laughs> I haven't y- done every movement. I've played mostly the adventure mode. And okay. when you're going through that, you get new moves as you go because they're gamifying it. Oh, yes. Interesting. So with the triceps, one of one thing I have done that has activated my triceps some is rather than pushing the ring con in, you pull it apart. So okay. you're holding it and you're trying to pull it out as hard and as you can. And it resists you? And, it, and it's just the way that it's made, constructed, it has this natural resistance in it. Huh. So you can only pull it apart as far as as a few inches apart but you try to hold it there and yeah um it causes you to flex your tricep muscles and some of your chest in a different way that's so interesting like it sounds like this has some limitations but at the same time the things you have just said really make me think of the future of exercise of these adjustable electronic devices that can change the resistance for you uh and help you do automatic tracking that's so interesting yeah i think that there's a bright future in this space i think this is a a serious refinement on what Nintendo started with the Wii and the Wii Fit yeah. um, about 10 years ago. And uh, it's it's certainly the next generation of that. It, it's taking these really remarkable input devices of the Joy-Cons and putting them to use uh, in a really interesting way. And I can only imagine as they take the learnings from this what the next, you know, exercise... Mm. Um, game would look yeah, like that's really cool yeah and what's what's really remarkable i'll say is again the level that it at, at which it's able to detect your movement so mm. another example is they have you do a basic air squat and they say okay you need to hold the ring con out in front of you and you need to take your shoulder your feet shoulder width apart and have a slight bend in your knee to start this movement and it'll always know if I'm trying to cheat and it won't like, I'm like, Oh, I don't want to raise my arms up. And it's like, no, you can't start the movement until you put your arms out. (laughs) (laughs) And then when you actually do the squat, it has this visual feedback of your character where you like light up and glow. If you're doing the movement really well and very efficiently Uh. and not so much, if you're not like hitting the right, if you're not hitting the mark. So with the squat, if you don't go deep enough, you won't, you know, reach this peak uh, fitness level that your character is like exhibiting to you. And it's just this visual without it saying anything. It's just telling me, it's visually telling me you need to squat deeper. Like you need to hit, you're not on that last rep. You didn't hit full depth. Like we know you can go further down and it's (laughs) all, (laughs) no, seriously. And it's always like, it always detects it. Well, like I'll know like, Oh, that was like a cheat rep. And then the game's like detects from the joy con (laughs) in my leg that I didn't quite hit. That Uh, is crazy. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm impressed by it. It yeah. is not the core of of this, you know, personal fitness program. It is one of a tool. It is a tool in the toolbox mm-hmm. uh, that I can go to a few times a week to get a, a thirty minute exercise in that um, does a decent job. I've recorded my workouts on my Apple Watch with it. 
my heart rate will get up um, to the, you know, 140s, 150s. I certainly feel fatigue in some of my muscle groups. I'm sweating. Now, it doesn't feel the same as, like, after we would uh, play, like, a pickup basketball game. That would certainly exhaust me a lot more. Um, but it's it's a good light to medium workout. And I look forward to seeing what other moves they have come up with with the ring con in the, in the leg strap. And I think that there's a strong possibility or strong future for this to become some type of subscription-based program where if you look at companies like, um, I don't know, FitBod is like an application or Beachbody, which is like creates videos where they have these subscription-based models now where mm-hmm. they say, we'll feed up your workout to you and you just pay a subscription to subscribe to the library. Yeah. I could see that being like either a subscription-based program or something that's baked into the game that's like Nintendo is releasing workouts and you mm. can see other actual human beings using the ring con and the leg strap and doing stuff and you're yeah. following the workouts with them. That's not in the game yet, but I it seal, seems like a natural leap for yeah, it to take. A Peloton merger. Ninteleton. Yeah. <laughs> Ninteleton. Company. Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. It's interesting not to take us too far from this topic, but um, you mentioned like it's not it's not quite the same workout as doing something like pickup basketball, and I've been thinking about that a lot recently. Um, because yeah, almost nothing is like the doing sports. You just push yourself really hard, and it's relentless. Uh, even compared to some of the cardio stuff that I've done for P ninety X, which is interval training sort of stuff, um, or high intensity interval training. It just isn't the same feeling I ever get as with basketball. And I was the last week I was walking through the park and I had this just really surreal experience where, as I talked about a couple weeks ago, um, some of the rims are back up in Chicago, but not very many. And very few are across from each other so you could play full court. And so I found this group of guys playing five on five half court. And there were like three people sitting along the side. And it, I just, I was like, I just miss basketball so much. And I just sat down. I was like, I think this is probably a pretty irresponsible thing for these people to do. And I'm not going to participate. But at the same time, I'm just going to sit here and watch them play because I miss doing this so much. I couldn't believe it. It was like the first time it hit me super hard. I was like, I have not played sports in so long. And like basketball, especially, which is one of the things that I just loved doing. Uh, and I sat there and then it was like, it became pretty clear. It was a pickup lead or not a pickup lead. Like, uh, everybody shows up in the morning and actually just like winter stay on sort of deal. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is a terrible idea. Like these people don't know each other. It's, you know, it's a bunch of mix of people. This is truly <laughs> really a terrible idea. I'm never going to do this, but, uh, I mean, maybe in six months or something, but I was like, oh man, that just looks so tempting. So mm. tempting. Yeah. Anyway, is- total tangent, but I, yeah, it's just so odd to like be confronted with these things that you're missing out on, I think. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. And it's certainly something that crossed my mind when I went to cancel my gym membership. One of the big draws of the gym was that it has basketball courts in it mm-hmm. and was a reliable place that you could go and play. And, you know, giving that up was challenging. And I'm like, I'm not sure. I, this is a problem I will have to solve in the future, but I'm not sure where I'm going to find this type of basketball environment. That was a great thing about that gym for sure. Yeah. So that's, that's something I will have to figure out in the future, whether it's some type of pickup 
games at a certain court or a different gym. Um, but yeah, just for the foreseeable future, I know I'm not going to feel comfortable playing and engaging with that. So just had to take a different approach. And uh, I thought, let me give Ring Fit a try. If you compare it, it's <laughs> it's very affordable uh, compared to, to most gym memberships. Um, yeah. I mean, most home stuff, if you can get your home workout area the way you like it, it is a pretty affordable option mm-hmm. if you stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. I just moved all my workout equipment into my office. I've, like, been trying to find the most efficient way to use my space. So I have an office, a bedroom, and, like, a living room, dining room area. And I used to have the workout area in the dining room. And then I was like, my office is just my desk to work at. You know, this is a huge waste of space. And this is probably the place to do the workouts. And it actually has been a big improvement, so... Yeah. Also, just having a fresh space is kind of nice sometimes and more light, which I really like. Yeah. I shared a few episodes ago that we dealt with water in one of our rooms and we had to get the water intrusion. Water intrusion. So it was unpleasant, but the the ultimate result was a net benefit in that one, we got new carpet in a room, which is actually better carpet than what we had before. And it gave us sort of the opportunity to rethink how we wanted to structure the room and our apartment in general. So we made a few changes to, to, the, to the same point that you're making of how do we create a space that's usable for physical activity? And we now have this back room that is, it serves multiple purposes, but one of them is an area to, to do fitness activity. So there's like a TV in there that you can throw on uh, fitness videos. We have a set of resistance bands. We have a place to like hook them up if you want to do some type of like lat pull down or chest press mm. or something like that. So that's another tool in the toolbox that we have now. And it's super, super helpful. It's great yeah. to have like a new fresh space. It just feels revitalized. Um, yeah. It's great. No, that's great. What do you think about mirrors? Do you have any mirrors there? We have one mirror that serves as like was just our standard like dressing mirror. So sometimes when I work out, I will try to position myself that I'm in front of the mirror, but often I don't worry about it. Mm. Yeah, I don't have any. And I actually have found that that for for dumbbell stuff, I really miss that. So Mm -hmm. I might actually buy some kind of mountable mirror, I think. I don't think that's a bad idea. I don't think that would work for my space. But for the depending on the type of workout that you're doing, I could see mirrors being very vital. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yoga as well. I find I miss mirrors. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, yep, that's uh, my update on the Ring Fit Adventure. I will, right. I'm sure I will, you know, have follow-ups in the future on it. And, well, one one last bit is, so as I, as I looked into the game, uh, there was, like, a lot of different reviews and uh, conversation on Reddit and such about, is this even good? Does this work? And I found out one surprising thing in that it, that... It takes approximately 60 to 80 hours to complete the game. Yeah. Which I... Is that a lot or a little? That feels like a lot to me. It was more than I initially thought it would be. Um, And people were posting, you know, I did this consistently, you know, five times a week, and it took me over three months to see the whole game. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, that's one one other thing I will say that they've they've gotten right is they've really made this. This isn't a you know short lived experience. You're not done with this in a couple weeks. This oh, is so a, you're happy about that? Okay. Yes. Yeah. I'm okay. glad that it's I would that be too. long. Yeah. 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 So 
Ring Fit Adventure, pretty cool. Oh, I guess one, <laughs> I forgot about this point, and I should have added it to our show notes, but I have to share this because one of the things around Ring Fit is that it's been very hard to find. It's been out of stock. Mm. If you go to Amazon, when I did a few weeks ago, it said that it wouldn't be delivered till the sometime in October because they don't just completely out of stock. And I was like, no, I need this now. I need this in my life now. I need to put this plan into action now. So I went on went on the internet and was like, well, maybe some brick and mortar store around me might have one and I could snag it. So I went looking and I found there was a Target nearby that said they had it in stock. And I was yeah. like, okay. But I was not able to like order it online But it, it, it for pickup. It said, you can come get it, but we're not doing this. And I'm like, oh, whatever. I just thought it was something to do with coronavirus or something. So I was like, okay, I have to go get this today. I made a note in my phone. I was like, I'm going. I'm going to this. It's in this aisle. I'm going to go grab this and I'm, and I'm coming right back. I went to the Target and it wasn't there. And I was like, mm-hmm. what the hell is going on? You just told me on the internet that it's here. So I had to go track down an associate. And they were like, oh, that's going to be here tomorrow. And the website just oh. updated and says that it's here for some reason. So one, don't. that's awful. Don't do yeah. that. <laughs> don't do that. And then two, I was like, okay, this is one, Target, this is so dumb. Don't do this. Two, I'm not done yet. There's got to be somewhere in this city that has a ring fit. So I <laughs> Today. Yeah, I must today, have I have to have this. So I went back on my phone and I was like, you know what? Maybe GameStop, maybe GameStop has a ring fit because no one goes to GameStop anymore, right? Maybe they just have some yeah. on hand and no one's thought to check. So I jump on my phone. I type in GameStop to ring fit and lo and behold, less than a mile away from where I'm at, there's a GameStop <laughs> that has ring fit adventure in stock. So I speed down, <laughs> speed down the road, go and g- go to the store, uh, run in there, go straight to the desk. And I'm like, do you have ring fit adventure here? And the associate kind of gives me a funny look. on. <laughs> He's like, yeah, we, we have ring fit adventure. I was like, okay, I'll take it. That's what I want. <laughs> and then, and he, so he goes in the back room, grabs it, brings it out, and he's like, so are you interested in like any other games? And I'm like, no, I just want Ring Fit Adventure. So I buy it immediately, walk out of the store. And I thought this was just a hilarious uh, experience in my life where all of the modern means had like failed me. Amazon, yeah. online delivery, like, uh, you know, seeing the product being stock on a website and going there and it not being there. But... Uh, the one place that came through for me was GameStop, and I would have never mm-hmm. expected that. So I thought that was a funny story that I should share. Yeah, no, that is funny. But I think that you unearthed like a, a like a, a feeling that a lot of us have encountered during quarantine, where supply chains are so disrupted that a lot of the the really efficient stuff doesn't work as well. Like the the really lean supply chains have been disrupted in a way that the kind of like goofy old style businesses have not. Right. No, you're totally right. It's like, it made me think, is there a space, leaving the store, I thought, is there a space for this type of brick and mortar retailer to to exist and compete in the 21st century? Because what we often saw as a uh, negative is actually positive, that they have, I don't know how you would describe it, but... I feel normal. like as soon as things go back to normal, everyone will ignore them and they'll go out of business. Right. That, <laughs> that would be could exist. No, you're totally right. That's a real possibility. But I feel like that experience is one that might stick with me for a little while where I'm like, if I feel like I can't find something I'm looking for, like, let me try to identify 
some brick and mortar store from yesteryear that like maybe we'll just have it in stock because people yeah. aren't thinking about it. like if you look That's for true, the ring yeah. fit it was the same for the switch for a while too it's just out of stock everywhere people are like i can't find it anywhere um and i imagine many people just went to the you know usual suspects of amazon and walmart and didn't think maybe a mom and pop shop or some GameStop that you haven't been to in years might be has one and just sitting in the back. Um, so that thought it crossed my mind. I took a chance on it and worked out really happy. I'm super thankful that, um, it's really an uplifting story. Yeah. That, you know, GameStop just for whatever reason was able to keep them in stock when no one else could. I mean, when would you ever expect that? Right. It's like Amazon yeah. says, I'm not going to have this for three months and GameStop down the road. It's like, no, I got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nobody's been in here all week we have plenty <laughs> yeah. uh, i did walk in there was like one other person in the store and that was yeah, it it's <laughs> so typical that is very funny all right should we hmm, we're running a little long so maybe we should skip the walking topic and jump right into free time i didn't realize we were already in an hour so free time let's do it we have to talk about this let's do it okay so yeah on another note i have uh I've taken a real uh, change in direction in the last few weeks. Um, I have been trying to have a lot more free time. I've been thinking pretty carefully about how much of my time is not really uh, uh, restful isn't the right word, but like it doesn't give me a chance to feel like I'm caught up on everything. Like many people have this problem. I think I'm worse than most, but definitely it's not uncommon. The sense that as you get more free time in your life, you find ways to fill it. Um, I know. Yeah. Like uh, there's sayings about that and stuff like work expands to fill the time you have, but specifically like I embark on new projects when I feel that I have the time because projects are a thing that I do to learn things and to feel like I'm advancing myself in my life. But I've realized that, it is, there's a few reasons, but it is just hard to keep your life rolling that way. Like, it is fun to be really driven and push in all these directions, but at the same time, you sacrifice some major things. And at certain points, I think I want to be more focused. Um, and sometimes focused isn't even the right word because what I want is a lot of time without focus. I want a lot of time to sit and think and you know, one thing I've been doing a lot is crossword puzzles, but just a sense of like, oh, you know, I am reflecting on things sort of subconsciously and I'll have some new ideas. Um, and right now this has been important because I have really, really prioritized the year of health and fitness uh, throughout the year. It's just gotten more and more important. And I've realized like these other things need to wait. Like in a way, initially I started by just having my goals be too large and narrowing them. But now it's like, no, like other things in my life have to go. And they're not really that important. Like, I've realized that it's very fun for me to have a side project that I think could go somewhere and could eventually be, like, a big part of my life in a way that I advance my career or something. But now I just dropped my water bottle. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, thrown off. Uh, yeah, but the thing is, I'm not, like, unhappy with my current life. And I think that... I need to be a little more aware of that and sit around sometimes and just hang out and be like, oh, you know, this is fine. I don't need to like push for the next thing. Um, I don't need to always have a thing on the horizon. It's just nice to be able to relax and think about things. And I don't know, just like 
essentially not have things to do at every moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm not sure I really have anywhere to go with that, but it's just been a thing on my mind and I've like watched a lot of the NBA recently. And uh, usually I would sort of reject doing that with a lot of my time, but I've thought, no, like this is the thing I like doing. I'm just going to sit here and watch the NBA and put my side projects away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I put in all caps in our show notes that we had to talk about this because for as long as I've known you, you have been a person of projects, so to speak, I guess. I, I don't know. You Projects and, and Ethan are almost inseparable in my mind, in a way, just because you have always had a side project, something you're some toy project, something you're messing with, exploring, um, pretty much at every all times since I've known you the past few years. Yeah, that is definitely me. So to see that you say, you know, you want to take a step back from those and have a focus on having free time is really interesting to me. So a few questions come out of it for me is, when you decided to do this, did you just put every side project that you had on hold? I mean, what we're doing here is is a side project for you. So I, I would guess mm-hmm. that the answer is no. So if it's no, then did you go through and select which projects you would, you know, keep alive and which ones are going to be archived? Um, and I guess, could you expand more on, you know, what benefits have you seen from making this conscious decision to to uh, protect free time and, and not overload yourself with projects? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's see. It wasn't really very well planned. Basically, I had other stuff going on in life and I just didn't really have like the mental capacity to do side projects for a bit. And I just needed some time to myself. And then as I felt more able to like take things back on, I thought I don't need to take the things back on. And that I, I should be more specific in side projects. So there are things where I'm like specifically building a thing. Like I I've had an idea that I've been working on on the side for about six months of just like getting started with some things to set in motion for later. But then there are other things where it's like, I need to finish this book. Even, you know, I, I feel that I should update my personal website and with all these things, you know, and I keep all these things in Todoist, all these things that I'd like to do, but I realized, you know, it, it actually feels kind of nice to just be like, Oh, you know, like I throw myself into my job for eight hours and then, I like hang out for a few hours in the evening and you know, and it also, I think is like a, a change in life stage. Like I'm, I'm trying to spend more time with friends and pay more attention to people in my life. And, and even like just appreciating that, like my life is pretty good. I'm always pushing to improve things, but it's like, Oh, sometimes it would be good to just appreciate that. There's really nothing wrong with it. Things are fine. Um, I like where I live and I like the stuff I get to do with my time so yeah it's just been like a a general shift so what have i cut yeah this doesn't really count as something i cut obviously because i still do it but like almost everything like this i just have not really had anything outside of work and exercise have you seen a shift in in your mood in your mental clarity um yeah i'm just curious like what benefits of you are you seeing are you are you finding personal fulfillment from the time that you're able to invest now in relationships and and with people yeah i mean definitely there is some of that it's hard because i mean fulfillment is a hard thing to measure and the more you ask yourself about it i think the more unfulfilled you will be right (laughs) um (laughs) 
But yeah, a, a lot of little things. So it is just like, it is in some way fulfilling to like have more time with people. Um, but also I see that I'm sharper in some ways. Like I heard this quote and I, I wish I'd written it down. It wasn't that long ago, but it was like, the difference between a mediocre researcher and an excellent one is free time. And I was thinking about that. And I thought that is really true. Like I'm experiencing some of that now with like a lot more time on my hands where I'm not trying to do a thing. I have more ideas. And I, when I do thing, when I do things, my brain is sharper. Um, and probably it's because I am, you know, when I'm showering, I'm sort of toying with the one thing that I'm dealing with, not the 12. Um, and so that kind of thing too, where I just, I feel a little more like, ah, this is rest time and this is work time, but the rest time actually makes the work better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. Benefits are hard because I think that it's so easy to quantify the benefits of side projects. You learn things, you accomplish things. And I do really like side projects. I think they're super important. They've served me super well, but at least for a while, I think that there are other, there are benefits that are less tangible that I feel from this. Um, and it, it is probably a good exercise in balance going forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the other thing I forgot to mention was it doesn't just make my brain sharper. It also increases my willpower for sure. I think that it's no accident or no coincidence that right now I'm a lot more able to do meal tracking and really diligent exercising in a way that I cannot when I, I or I, I never could before. Mm-hmm. And it's because now there's not a lot of other things I have to dedicate a lot of effort and brain space to. Yeah. Yeah. I've often, I've for a long time have thought that discipline is a finite resource, which I think touches on that last point that you made where you've given yourself the space and mental capacity uh, to take on your focus on health and food tracking. Um, And to do that, to create that space, you've had to take a step back in some of your personal projects. Um, and that's because if you, you couldn't possibly do all of it, um, because they're just, it's a finite resource and, and you will get, yeah, to, I totally agree. Yeah. You'll get to the end of your day, end of your week and just not have anything left in the tank to, to expend on whether it be the project mm. or the, or the tracking food tracking. There are some interesting experiments on that, that really support what you're saying, because even some things that aren't really willpower, um, or like the, I guess the intersection of willpower and, uh, cognitive resources, it, there's still trade-offs even between those two. Cause there's some experiment and I'd have to look back at what exactly the details were, but I think the idea was a, a group of people were made to memorize like seven or 10 digit numbers. And then, um, another group was not. So you have your testing control and both groups were exposed to this choice of whether to eat a piece of cake or a vegetable basically. And the people who were trying to remember the numbers chose the cake disproportionately much. Basically the, the idea is your willpower degrades as you have more things on your mind, mm-hmm. um, which I think anecdotally really does square with much of my experience. And I think that I'm experiencing some of that of just generally taking off a lot of cognitive load in order to sharpen the few things right now that are really high priority in my life. Yeah. One of the thoughts I've had is, related to this is that when we say side project for you, for many people, it would probably be to the point where it's a project for them. So the, what I, the point I'm trying to make is that I too have side projects, but I don't take them all that far. So I will get an idea of like, Oh, I want to explore a thing and I will explore it to the extent of which I feel like, Oh, I've learned, 
I've learned what it is I wanted to learn about this and then I drop it. But often mm. your side projects evolve and they grow over time and they end up <laughs> Yeah, that's the danger of them. That is very true. Yeah. So your side pro and I think it's a it's an admirable attribute of your personality that you're willing to stick with these projects for long term, really see them through and have them, you know, come to fruition in a real tangible way. I think that's awesome. It's something that I haven't really achieved in my my own. But that's that's one thing I want, would want to point out is like, as you say, you're taking a step back. I think that's a really big shift for you because your mm. side projects are quite substantial. Um, yeah. Compared to most people's, I would I would think. Yeah, that is true. And I'm very glad that I have an inclination towards them. As I said, it served me well, but uh, I think balance is important in some of these cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one thing... One thing I have thought about is I would love if I just like what what I want is the freedom to not feel like there's things I need to do. Like if if I wake up on Saturday morning and I want to work on one of my side projects, that is still good. Like that is I have no issue with that right now. But what I want it to be is that I wake up on Saturday morning and I choose between having a cup of coffee and watching NBA or working on a project or reading a little bit. Like the problem is that I and this is perhaps uh, maybe just talking through this i'm thinking a little bit more about it i think what i have discovered is that i turn my uh enjoyable things into obligations Mm -hmm. very often and i'm even like this with things that i read i read a lot of newsletters and i have like to-do list items about when i need to catch up on my newsletters and there's a bunch of them and by turning these things into chores they're just not as fun and i don't feel as free to think about what i want to think about at the moment yep and that is the direction I'm going. And I actually think that's the way most people are more with their side projects, I think. And so that is the direction I need to go at least for a while. Yeah. I, no, that resonates with me. That's the approach I, I often try to take. But one of the fault, one of the drawbacks to that is that, one, uh, it's easy to spread yourself really too thin to really accomplish much in any one. Because if you have multiple things competing for your attention and you decide in the moment what you're going to focus on, it may be weeks before you, or even months before you return to some mm-hmm. some side project. And if you're reading a book, like that doesn't really work well in yeah. my experience. So I get it. I get what you're saying. Of You wake up and you say, do I want to do X, Y, or Z thing? So to me, one of the, one of the ways to, to have success with this is that you have that mindset but you really constrain the set of choices. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah. So you. And this podcast is something that stayed. I was like, that is a thing that I want to keep doing. Um, and fitness and diet are the other two, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I deeply appreciate that, you know, this made the cut. <laughs> <laughs> this is P90X. Yeah. Greg and Tony Horton. Man, I'm among elite company. This quite. <laughs> but yeah. So for me, it would be. Uh, really keeping that consideration set uh, small as possible and perhaps having some, you know, not maybe not in like a a tracker, like to do this, but in mentally saying, you know, there's some, some priority to this. Like, you know, the book is an interesting book and I want to get through it and I want to keep it relevant in my mind. So, you know, that gets like a tier one priority versus, but uh, I'm not sure about yeah, that. Yeah, see, I'm resisting yes, that, actually. Yes, yeah. I think because that, I think at first it sounds good, but yeah, then you realize it becomes a chore mm-hmm, again. Exactly. And that's what's really hard is I get that I get that feeling as well is 
How do you prevent the things that you enjoy doing from becoming obligations and then losing the mm-hmm. enjoyment? Yep. Yeah, I just experienced it so much with watching a ton of basketball where I was like, wow, I really like watching a ton of basketball and I'm feeling no guilt right now because there's nothing on my list that I should be doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's very freeing. And obviously you can't always have that. There are things you need to do. But the idea of like watching the NBA or uh, playing a video game without any guilt, like that is not a thing I am good at. And I would like to be able to do it sometimes. Right. In in reasonable amounts. Yeah, yeah. And I think I fall a little more on the other spectrum where I will, I in, uh, indulge heavily and then will feel guilt and then we'll like have to mm-hmm. flip flop and be like, I need to be productive because I've been a, like, I've just been. I have so- some of that too, yeah. But on the basketball, I totally get what you're saying and it's been interesting with this, the playoff structure. It's like every night I was watching basketball games mm-hmm. and it was great. Like I had zero regrets. I was like, I'm adult, yep. like the next Two months is indulge in basketball indulgence. And it's like, I'm going to get my fix for the year. And it's almost to the point where I'm like, maybe they should just switch to this format. (laughs) Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, for sure. No doubt. It's so good. Mm -hmm. I do have a a recommendation for you and for listeners if they are into watching basketball. I I, have you heard of the podcast dunked on? I have not. I have not. Okay. So it's it's these two guys, Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue and uh, dunked on is like, the dunk from duncan it's like d-u-n-c apostrophe s dunked on um but basically it's a very rigorous look at basketball you know they're they're actually like very uh dismissive of a lot of the punditry they're like well so and so said this but obviously that's a stupid analysis (laughs) you know and they have very good podcast that i enjoy I, I listen to them every day now they do every night after the games end they do like an hour ish podcast an hour and a half so they every day put out a lot of content during the year that's too much to keep up with but during the playoffs it's great oh yeah but also they do live streams of some of the games so they're not showing the game but they are talking about if the you, game as as they're, mm-hmm. as they're so they're like commentating the game basically yes. and it is so good it is just like it is hard to put in perspective how much it improved my enjoyment of the game they only do one game every couple days um but the level of of knowledge you get out of it where they are you have to figure out how to sync up the the feeds and stuff like make sure the timing is good but once you get things nailed down they're pointing out back screens and weird situations and often like how matchups are changing across possessions and things i just do not have the sophistication to notice but i'm so interested in Mm -hmm. and it is I mean, I like clear my schedule for the games that they do now. It's like, I'm going to be sitting in front of the TV listening to them do this game as it happens. And it is so fun. So just a recommendation. Dunked on. D-U-N-C apostrophe E-D. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. I'll have to check that out. Because as I've watched the playoffs, I have a craving for that more analytical, rigorous commentating. Where I have gotten it so far is... I believe Stan Van Gundy. He's the best. Right he's now, the I best. Think. Yeah. He's the best. And he will point out things. He'll say, look at this defensive switch. Like mm-hmm. I'm watching Celtics 76ers and they're like, oh, they just flipped. Like they were doing man to man. Now they're doing a two, one, two zone. And it's like, oh, I wouldn't have really yeah. noticed that ne- not nearly as fast, maybe at some point, but they probably would have switched out of it before I would have even realized. And mm-hmm. it was just nice to have someone with that intelligent eye on the game to sort of help explain it to you. It's just wild that stuff doesn't come up more. Like, mm-hmm. all these commentators are ex-coaches. Okay, it's, I know. And ex-players. And it's like, 
I want you to tell me what's going on here. Yes. There is a severe lack of really good commentating in all of sports. I think yeah. that I think that broadcast sports underestimates the interest in the actual game mechanics that the average fan has. Unfortunately, I do wonder if they properly estimate it and we're just <laughs> outliers. That's my worry. But I feel like we may be outliers, but we are a substantial population still. Like there's yeah. enough that there's a podcast in which non-professional commentators are 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 doing yeah. this so that it's serving a, a market and it's like you would think that the broadcasters would want to capture this as well maybe yeah it does take a level of like knowing some things already though it makes it oh, harder certainly. for new new people i think yeah yeah but you would pick it up like if you really got into it and like or every time you're watching a game you're yeah. listening to this more advanced commentary like you're gonna pick it up you're gonna learn it yeah i mean i went from I mean, being a non-basketball fan and knowing nothing about basketball to a few years later, understanding the vast majority of basic to intermediate concepts and being able to pick up things on my own that I'm watching as the game. I And I would love to have like that level of expertise sort of, you know, coaching me as mm-hmm. I watch, right? To I help. totally agree. Yeah, because yeah. it was not easy. I would go watch YouTube videos on like breakdowns and stuff and be like, why is Brad Stevens a good coach? Yeah. <laughs> and that yeah, well... Th- the, the two things that I've gotten much more acutely aware of are in the pick and roll, where does the screener's defender stand? So basically it's like, do you come up to the level of the screen to cut off a shot or do you drop back yeah, in coverage? Back, yep. And that was very relevant in the uh, Denver-Utah series mm-hmm. because Utah was just scoring infinite points because Jokic is immobile way back. stayed back. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is something called a scram switch. Yes. Which is, are you familiar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like if a if a smaller player gets somehow switched onto a larger one, when the ball moves away from the, basically away from where they are, you'll see that a random other player, even if it's not a super big one, who's bigger than the player who was stuck, will super fast run over and switch out with them. And when executed well, and this is the Celtics got me thinking of this, it's really interesting because Brad Stevens got some acclaim a couple of years ago for pulling that off really well with Isaiah Thomas, who was one of the smallest players in the league and a real liability because of that. And the Celtics were extremely good at scram switches. Yeah. 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 No, but that kind of stuff, I don't think I've ever heard that come up in a network broadcast. <laughs> right. Right. No, I think Stan Van Gundy does the best at trying to bring those things to light, but I agree. it's there. It's There's not enough of it. Um, the pick and roll is a huge part of it, as you say. Um, and we could get even deeper, right? Like, um, whether the, cause there's different levels to each of those scenarios they described. So you could drop way back and be way in the paint. Like what happened when the Celtics were playing the 76ers and Embiid was on the Celtics, mm. uh, center camera. Tice. Yeah. Tice. Tice just really isn't a liability out there. So he'd be way, way back. Um, but there are softer there are softer forms of this where you will be hedging. So you're not coming up to meet the ball handler, uh, but you're also not all the way back in the paint. You're like in this mm. mid-ground and you're like off center to the screen to where the ball handler would go if they took the screen. So mm. you're like there ready to catch the ball handler if they come around, um, but you're also ready that if the uh, screener rolls, you can go with them. But the paint mm. is left exposed in a way that if a back cut occurs... You, you're probably not going to be there to get it. So 
there's like uh, except more... for like truly elite defenders yes. and that's where i've started to appreciate gobert more because it's more obvious once you see those things that gobert can cover those lanes simultaneously mm-hmm. in a way that almost nobody else can right. and it's like oh this is why these centers are better than others on defense correct yeah no you're totally right about that is is gobert could do a hedge coverage and still understand if the paint when the paint's exposed and make sure to get back and protect it mm-hmm. when it's necessary so in the scram switching, like you pointed out, also the type, other types of switching when there's off-ball screens, there are lots of uh, advanced defensive coverages where if there's an off-ball screen on the weak side in the corner, um, the person on the high post just automatically switches with the low post or the person mm-hmm. in the corner, and it's stuff that it's happening so fast. Like yeah. if you don't have yeah, sometimes someone, you don't even see it. Almost looks like a zone because the players yes. move in a pattern you don't really expect. Exactly know how they were coached you would understand there's a lot of reasoning in that mm-hmm. so those are the types of things where i really agree i do i agree i would like to see well more. you would really enjoy this you would really enjoy this they have focused a lot on clippers mavs and uh have spent a lot of time on the particular angles at which luka Doncic puts his shoulder into people mm-hmm. i mean just in general like the way he uses his body in weird ways and gets people off balance oh yeah and it has been so fascinating yep yeah no luka's been incredible at that where he's getting his shoulder into the defender without one he's not drawing they're not there's not a foul in that first part he's creating mm-hmm. contact without it being violent so to speak but then when he goes for that layup he just carries his momentum like through his body into the defender's body and then with his other with the arm with the ball is like just somehow no, you know there's no none of that momentum's traveling there He's able yeah. to control his body in a way that's remarkable, and he just lays it up very softly. But he just yeah. pushed his defender back two feet to create the space. It <laughs> is, yeah, it, it is amazing to watch. And he's got not a very athletic build. No. Like I was watching him, like you know, I'm. He's like kind of average height for a basketball player. Like, couldn't I do these things on average <laughs> height for the group I play in? <laughs> but yeah. no, I could not. No, no, he has incredible control of his body, which a big knock on him when he came into the league is a lot of people say he's not athletic enough, he's not explosive enough. Now I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put this out there. I thought that they were fools at the time. I was so high on Doncic. It's been <laughs> I awesome. I do remember this. That is true. I can confirm. You <laughs> talked about him a lot. I talked about him constantly. I was watching all his Euro video, all his Euro highlights, watching Euro games if I could. He was. He, I thought he was remarkable. Easily should have been the first pick. Thought he was the best player in a decade. <laughs> um, and and, it, and he, you were right. Yeah. So I could be a GM, basically. No. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> but um, <laughs> could definitely be the GM of the Suns or the uh, <laughs> the Kings. Yeah, the Kings, maybe the Knicks too, right? <laughs> House King Suns. Uh, so, yeah. So Doncic has been remarkable to watch. The other thing I really have enjoyed too is, and this isn't only to Doncic, it's just the NBA in general, is noticing where the screening, where the screening is occurring. So a lot of times I've seen the Mavs. Um, in game two, I think it was, they started to do these high pick and rolls. So two, three feet before the three point line, they're getting Doncic yeah. is getting a screen, mm-hmm. um, and the they the next game there was a defensive shift where when they they went to that high screen and roll, um, they were trapping on yep. him. They were like blitzing Doncic the. The guy isn't just coming to meet the ball handler. He's blitzing the ball. He's coming yeah, past the screen. Really he's important. getting in his yeah. face. And even Donches, as an expert uh, passer, was having a bit of trouble of like mm-hmm. quickly diagnosing the blitz is coming and getting the ball out of his hand. Well, uh, from from what I listened to from because they, they did that game again, um, 
they were pointing out that in general, like double teams are challenging, but if you recognize them early, you can throw the pass and everything. Mm -hmm. But the particular challenge of that one uh, was that that usually the defender on Doncic and the center, it was Zubats, would run out at him very fast and force him to actually lean backwards. And as soon as you lean backwards, throwing a pass cleanly is very hard. I mean, it's sort of like if you think of leaning back and throwing a football, you're going to loft it. And they were pointing out that he wasn't able, they were coming quickly enough that he wasn't able to push forward on his passes the way he would want to. And it was basically meaning he couldn't get a nice pass off. He mm-hmm. could like dump it off to the center on his team, but that was about it. Right, right. No, that sounds, I gotta I gotta tune into this because it sounds right up my alley. The yeah, exact kind of stuff I want to see. But yeah, so uh, I guess we can wrap this up by saying the NBA has been awesome and I'm looking it forward to the rest so of it. Good. Yeah, yes. they've been playing super hard. Um, I know there was, uh, at the beginning, people were a bit concerned of what would the quality of play be like. They've been off for five months. And it months. is so much better it's than so usual. Good. Yes. I mean, it's always good, but it, it has been phenomenal. Right. Yeah. yeah, they've been killing it. They've been doing great. So, okay. Um, well, I want to share with you my my experience with Todoist. So I've okay. dove even deeper. Into, That's good. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> into Todoist. So... I found myself, I think it was Tuesday night, sitting on my couch, you know, aimlessly scrolling on Reddit, and it crossed my mind, you know what, I think I should check in with the Todoist subreddit, because <laughs> I have this feeling... <laughs> Who doesn't think that all the time? <laughs> right, naturally, as, as, as anyone would experience, you're sitting there and you're like, I need to check the Todoist subreddit, because I had this feeling that... Um, a big release had occurred or was coming and I wanted to see, was there any news posted on this? <laughs> you had this feeling. <laughs> well, you, you woke up one morning yes. and you thought, something has changed. <laughs> There's something new in Todoist. Yeah, the way I said that wasn't very good. I guess I should point out that I was aware that a big change was coming. So I had been on the subreddit like a week earlier and people were like, oh, I looked through the change log and like something's coming in the next couple of weeks. And these these guys are the real like pros. They really can read well. Like, they, they can read between the lines. Even worse than us. Yeah, yes. so they... I took their hands and I was like, you know what? I haven't checked in in a bit. Let me let me see what's what's up. I wonder if something's changed. And what I found was awesome. And it's that uh-huh. <laughs> on Todoist in the Todoist beta version, they they have added Kanban boards to projects. Okay. So the first thing is one I had never used uh, Todoist beta before. So you nor have I. And they make it surprisingly easy. So if you use the desktop app, you can just go into your preferences and say, I opt into experimental uh, releases. Okay. Or if you're on the, if you're using the web app, you just go to um, a slightly different URL. I think it's beta.todoist.com. Oh. And, uh, and that's it. You're then in the beta version. And it feels and looks the same way. It's a bit glitchier, but I haven't had anything catastrophic happen and you get pushed you get releases uh, more regularly like every day or every other day you'll say hey there's a new release ready for you to uh to ingest so i switched over to get kanban boards i switched over to to do as beta so i switched my web version over to, to do as beta and i switched over my uh, desktop app to, to do as beta so that i could always have the beta view they do it as well on the iphone but you have to download a third app it's like not the regular, there isn't a Todoist beta app. It's like a developer tools type app that you then access 
to do us through, oh. and I didn't feel like messing with that. So yeah. Um, but to get Kanban boards, which I've been waiting for for a long time, and I think I've mentioned on the show before, um, I, I needed to access the beta, so I did. You needed. To, I needed I to. So I got on there, and uh, it it was it's been great. So for certain projects, I have shifted to using boards view versus the standard list view. Um, and they have a nice keyboard shortcut to switch between the two, which is really help- handy. Okay. And what, I have a lot of questions. Okay. So I think I think that gives it sets the stage of what I did. So I think it's a good time for your questions. Okay. <laughs> you will take questions now. Yes. <laughs> I, okay. So I, all, all that you have said makes general sense, but I have questions about how Kanban boards would work in Todoist. I know we've talked about them before, and I really like the idea of them. But what I'm wondering is like, what defines task is in progress? Does that even map to anything right now? Because right now tasks are not done or done in Todoist in like non-beta. Mm-hmm. And so what is a what is an in-progress task? Does When you switch back to the non-beta version, does it show up as done or not done? Or is it something different? Yeah, so the way that the, bo- the board's view is implemented is that it relies upon the Todoist sections that they added when they release foundations. Mm, Okay. So I'm not sure how prevalent sections are at this point in the non-boards Todoist version. I use them a little, actually. I had not found a great use for them. I used them a little bit, but they felt like a tool without a problem to solve. Um, Yes, I agree. So really, I think that the sections view is, is, is primarily for boards and what what occurs is when you have the list view with your sections those get pivoted out and become columns in which your tasks then sit so what i did was i went into an existing project and i created sections that i thought represented where a specific task could be so i created icebox where it's tasks that i have defined but I know I'm not going to be working on them in the near future, but I don't want them to go away either. So it's like just Mm -hmm. the freezer. So just sit there and I review this list regularly and things may come into or go out of that. Then there is defined where I've thrown together a task, but it's not complete yet. There's probably missing metadata. There's probably other missing details. There may be other tasks and you get added related to this as subtasks. Um, And so it's sitting in defined as like, Hey, this is an idea, this is a piece of work that you've put here, but in, in, before it can become in progress, you need to do some work on it. And then I have a column that represents in progress. So that's, these are the tasks that I'm actually actively working on with respect to this project. And if I click into it, there will often be subtasks. So my, my approach is often that I create a, a headline task that says like, you know, build feature X. But building that feature requires many smaller steps. And there are check marks I need to make. And there are other uh, things I may need to do that um, are dependent upon this feature. So perhaps I'm building some feature. And once I get done building the feature, I want that feature to be represented in the documentation. Well, for that to occur, I need to rebuild the documentation. So a subtask would be like, you know, at the very end, rebuild the docs, right? It's just there sort of as a, it is a step mm-hmm. to completion that needs to occur for me. Yeah. Um, and then, so I will have those in progress. And then I have a in review column. So 
once I've satisfied all the subtasks of, of a piece of work and it's ready, I move that over to in review, which means that someone else is reviewing that work um, mm. for me and with respect to this one project. Um, and I'm not sure how that would work if it's a solo project. I mean, you could maybe move it into review and say, I'm going to review it myself at some point, but yeah, it gets a little blurrier there. So I have this in review column and then uh, I can put tags on that that say like waiting or maybe the tag, a tag of the name of the reviewer. So it's sitting there and it's like, okay, I can clear my mental capacity to know I've completed this work. But in reality, this work isn't quite done yet because I have a dependency on someone else. I'm waiting for someone mm. else to come and act upon this. So it's going to sit here. I'm not going to check it like it's done um, until that review is good uh, and, and complete. And then I will mark it as done. So then there's a final column that is like finished, which is basically useless because you move the ticket over there and then you just check the ticket and then it disappears. So that one isn't all that necessary. Sometimes though, it's nice to pile them up to be like, oh, this week I completed all these things and then go check, 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 check. Um, okay. So so you're not, when they're in random other columns, like doing or in review, you're not checking them, you're just moving them? Correct. As a matter of mechanics? Yeah, you pick the ticket up and drop it in the next column. Hmm, I don't know how to feel about that. It feels much like um, Trello, like a Trello board. Yeah. So, and you can also do it by keyboard short, shortcut too. Like when you're mm, filling out a ticket good. or if you're modifying a ticket, I think it is the forward slash. So if the project that you're assigning the ticket to has sections, if you use forward slash, then you get the sections metadata and it will mm. say, these are all the sections that exist within the project. Yeah. I actually have used that. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to have to think about this more. I debated switching out of the beta. Maybe not. Maybe I'll wait. Do you have any idea what the timeline is for it to I have, go more I, general? I don't. I've checked back a few times now to see what updates have been made to the actual release. And I'm not seeing anything in the release notes that like hints at beta coming. Mm. The what's in the boards coming that's in beta. So um, I may need to uh, refer to my uh, you know, trusty friends on the to do a subreddit. <laughs> yeah. See what they have to uh, say. Let about. me know if you hear anything. Yeah, I'm I'm tempted to do it if there's no no timeline for when it arrives, but I'm not actually sure that I will like it. It's hard for me to know from what you've said. Yeah, I think that to me it is it is fit for purpose for specific projects. So mm -hmm. not every project I have in Todoist is in a boards view, which is great. You can have ones that are in list and ones that are in boards, that not nice. system wide. Yeah. And there are a few projects within that I do for work that to me, the, my mental map of it is a Kanban board. Yeah. It's not a list view and having the Kanban just makes it so much easier for me to really understand quickly where I'm at. Now there's some work that needs to be done because when you're in list view, you have more screen real estate for the task to, to take up, um, horizontally and what that means is that one the task name can be like longer without having line breaks and two you can see all the tags related to the task when you go into boards view each column is quite narrow right and only mm. takes up a small proportion uh, yes. so then your task names if they're long they end up getting broken in many lines and then you can't actually see the tags on the mm. ticket until you click on it on the task until you click on it and then you can see everything so that's one thing that I'm not quite as keen on yet where I'm like, I don't, 
I would like to have everything in one view. Now, maybe that just isn't possible. I don't know. Maybe they can be clever, come up with a clever way to provide that information in a slightly different yeah. format. Um, but and then one other one one other thing too would be I would like if when you're on the main. So if you have a sub project, if you go back to the root project, the main, um, you can see. Well, I think you used to be able to see information about your sub projects within the root. Um, I believe that's been taken away. And one is I would like to have it added oh, back. Oh, yeah. No, that's terrible. I'm extremely annoyed about that. Yes. Yeah. To do this Reddit, they were not happy either. A lot of people. I don't were... know why it went away. It was so nice. Mm-hmm. I agree. I don't. We should explain very quickly, like, what actually that looks like because it's a weird concept. But basically, you can have projects inside other projects. Um, and generally speaking, if you were to click on a project that contained other projects, I think the first time you clicked on it, it just showed things that were in that project, not in the subprojects. But if you clicked again, it would show you like, oh, but actually there's all these subprojects with these tasks. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of things, that makes a lot of sense. If you break down like, you know, if you have a project for all of your work stuff and then you have subprojects for different parts of things you do at work, it'd be nice to look at all your work stuff at once. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I did notice it just abruptly disappeared recently and I was quite sad. Yeah. And I, I, there hasn't been an explanation as to why that was removed, but I think that one, it should come back. And two, I think I'd have to see it in practice, but I think it could be a really nice view that if you have a project in which all the sub projects are boards, that you have mm. a stacked board view. Mm, yes. And that would there be we go. really good. That is exciting stuff. And if you could drag. Ta- I wonder if that's why they got rid of it, though, to support boards. If for some reason it's hard to do that visual of multiple boards in one. Mm. Mm, I know. Worrying. Yeah, but I think a multiple boards view could be really great and the functionality of moving tasks between them if you wanted to, like by drag and drop, could be mm. really, really nice way to interact with it. So, so far I'm, I'm really high on the boards, I think. And they've already added new future features. They've like fixed bugs and stuff, so they're working on it. Nice. Um, uh, so it's it's going, I'm enjoying it. I'm glad I have like have the ability now to have this view for my project. The view alone is already helpful as they refine it and add more. I'm sure it'll get better. Um, but yeah, so I have most of my projects are still lists though, because like I said, mm-hmm. it only makes sense in certain circumstances for certain types of projects. But yeah. you know, when you have that type of project for me, it's like almost debilitating if I can't have the board view, it just makes it a lot less useful. Yep. Hmm. That's very interesting. I look forward to GA. I'm not. I'm not sure I will go and get the beta, but when it uh, when it reaches me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, how about we wrap up by hearing about the crosswords? We can hold these other things for the next episode. <laughs> Truly, the most exciting yes, topic. Yes, it is. It there's is. a there's not a ton to say, but I I have given over most of my life to crosswords recently. <laughs> just just do crosswords all day. Crosswords and, I've and MBA. It's like crosswords and NBA. I like to do the crosswords <laughs> during the breaks, um, and the commercials and the stoppages. It is really an ideal pairing though. I must say, because there's such different parts of your brain. Like even if you're really focused on the basketball, it just doesn't have much conflict with the part of you that's doing the crosswords. And it's nice because crosswords a lot, uh, revolve around like, what's a word that starts with these two letters and the fourth letter is this. And you know, you don't think of it. So then you watch TV for, five minutes and then you look back and you're like oh i know what it is you know the passive thinking helps um but i have this book of crosswords from 
I think the mid to early 2000s. I found it in like a clearance bookstore years ago. And I don't know any of the actors that they talk about. It's mm. like great movie from 1991. And I'm like, I wasn't alive in 1991. <laughs> I don't know what it was. And so none of the pop culture references mean anything to me, but I'm starting to know some names where I'm like, I don't, I couldn't tell you one thing about this person, but this name keeps coming up. I've learned the names of the, uh, the Marx brothers, the comedians, mm-hmm. uh, Groucho and something Poe. And I don't really know their <laughs> names very well. Harpo, I think they keep coming up and all these, they're just like, I guess this is one kind of funny point to talk about. I hate that all of these things like uh, trivia and crosswords and like almost anything that's like, do you know the answers to these questions? They all revolve around old people. Nobody knows who the Marx Brothers are. Like there's no yeah. questions in here about TikTok. And I don't even <laughs> like TikTok. But it's like, this is not a fair distribution of knowledge. They're all revolving around people who have a lot of pop culture knowledge from the late 20th century mm. and it's like nobody knows that at my age yeah. we're not going to be able to answer these questions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yes that's no well that's one funny critique one is you got you got to change your source right like my understanding is the best crossword is the new york times crossword mm-hmm. i have no idea if that's valid or not but it seems like a lot I of people heard that yeah say that and think that so perhaps you check that out and see and see if that's like better i may jump to that yeah We'll see. I like the idea of finishing this book, but mm-hmm. uh, I may I did, may need some more modern things. But I sort of think I'm going to have the same problem. I used to do the, the New York Times crossword in high school, and I found the same thing. Although I've never known pop culture very well. But it's definitely targeted to people much older even than us. Like people who have a good knowledge of the 80s and 90s, which is very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's how you learn. Yeah, I've had, a, <laughs> I've had a bit of an urge to engage in crosswords recently. But I'm also very resistant because I'm not good at things that involve words. <laughs> um, no, I really, but I really am not. I'm not a great speller. I ha- I could I could read the clues and come up with the word. Prob like in certain <laughs> terms, I would be like the the right word is this. But then actually making sure I spell that word correctly, which is a critical (laughs) part of the the crossword experience, um, I could not reliably do. So what I feel like what would happen is I would read the clue, come up with the word, have to always double check that I'm spelling the word correctly, and then enter it. Um, And I don't know. That sounds weird. Like it's sort of... Maybe. You get better fast. Yeah. I've, I've gotten better at some things like that honestly yeah sometimes i've written things in and i've been like i thought i knew how to spell this word but maybe i don't like now i have doubts and a couple times i have spelled things wrong no spelling has always been one of my weakest areas uh for sure it's really funny it reminds me uh recently on a small family trip that we took um we were all hanging out together and a couple a couple of people were playing uh bananagrams which mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not familiar, Bananagrams is a game where uh, everyone gets um, small letter pieces, similar to Scrabble, and you basically make your own crossword, kind of. There's no clues involved, but you spell the word, and then every word, every other word after that needs to connect in some way. So you mm-hmm. build this, you know, set of words that are all connected together. And I was like, hey, I, I want to play Bananagrams. I, I want to join. <laughs> and... Uh, a few people who, who know my struggles with spelling <laughs> were like, looked at me and were saying, are, are you sure you want to play Bananagrams? Do you actually understand what this game's about? <laughs> and I got totally destroyed uh, each game. <laughs> Seriously, it was like playing against like a kindergartner. Or something. 
it was quite bad where there's they i don't know accomplished 15 words in the time and they're like you know better more complicated words and i'm like all my words are like five letters long <laughs> and i didn't get nearly as many so that was a fun, oh, funny i just that was one experience where i was like no i want to try because I've, I've always shied away from word games like that because yeah. Um, and perhaps maybe that's why I should give the crossword a try. Maybe I'll surprise myself and it'd be more enjoyable than I think. Yeah. I think if you choose the right level, it's it probably that does build those kinds of skills. So who knows? Mm. Well, I'll let you know if I jump okay. into it. Okay. I think we should probably call it there. It's been a long one. Yeah. Another great episode. Yes. Nailed it again. Uh-huh.